2: All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today, we got Larry Hoffman with us from um, LJHinvestments.com. Larry, I forgot to ask what that acronym is for. So you're going to have to correct me after this. Uh, but Larry is a note investor and uh, we love having note investors on. It's a really intriguing strategy to invest in real estate, the most passive of all investment strategies. So I absolutely love it. Super excited to jump into this. Larry, thank you very much for hopping on the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Gabe. I really appreciate you having me on the, uh, on the podcast. Looking forward to talking to you and your audience.
2: Absolutely. So what does LJH stand for?
1: It, it's my my initials, Lawrence Joseph Hoffman. Yeah, pretty simple. Go. Very original, go. right?
2: <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, well, hey, I told you before we get on here, we like starting with stories. So take us to the beginning of your real estate story. How'd you get started in real estate?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I started um, back in 2006 is when I officially formed my corporation. But I, it actually started a little bit before that, back in 1996. And I don't know if your guests are going to be able to see this or not, but uh, I have my Carlton sheets, no money down course, and nice. I actually have. Is, are those the, cassettes?
0: Uh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I still have the cassettes, in it. <laughs> and it actually has the date I began my course is January 6, 1996. You believe that? That is and, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I I started officially back in 1996, but it literally took me. Ten years to form that to uh, form my corporation, and you know you, you you hear this analysis of paralysis, and that's exactly what I had. Uh, but ultimately, I wound up starting back uh, in 2006 when I formed my corporation. Uh, started out wholesaling a few deals, uh, then I eventually uh, went up to rehabbing houses, um, and so I was doing about um, I, anywhere between three to eight houses a month, and so. I you know I, I started out um, you know getting my own bank financing and things like that and then I eventually hit a cap and um, and then that's when I started looking into private money and then a whole other world totally opened up to me with uh, with not not only rehabbing homes but also buying other you know like four families and you know I owned a couple of twelve units and, and things like that along the lines but ultimately it, it started in two thousand and six um, and and then. You know, when the when the housing market, uh, when the economy crashed and the housing market crashed, I literally about lost my shirt. When, mm. you know, I had about 10 houses, uh, 10 properties going to foreclosure. And Oof, um, yeah, so it, it hit me. I, I basically took my eye off the ball on that. And um, and, you know, I made all my private lenders whole, um, But unfortunately, with with the bank financing, I, I, I literally had 10 properties going to foreclosure and with that i lost those 10 properties and i lost my marriage on top of it right Oof. so it had it has such a negative impact on me and then that, that's kind of like it, that that's when i really kind of pivoted towards you know buying notes and uh, and 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 really just going down that road
2: yep yeah that that 2008 financial crisis that hit so many investors so yep. hard you know we've had other guys on the show who also went through a tough time um, but I love when you guys come on because it shows that you you went through the tough times, you hit the trough, and you came back up. You're on the yep. other side, still in it, still kicking ass, um, and show it. So that's a good message for everybody out there. You know, we're going through a lot of people are going through a hard time now. You know, interest rates yep. are going up. Some of your notes are coming due, and you're not able to finance those with better debt. Um, right. And so even if you know, even if you do go into foreclosure, hopefully you don't, but if you do, it's not the end of the world. You can come right. out of it on the other side. So great to hear. And it also makes sense. sounds like, uh, you know, you you, you the words you used where you took your eye off of the ball and you had to go into foreclosure and that kind of brought you to note investing. Um, right. so what was, take us to the transition. Like how did you actually find note investing and how did you get educated and start buying up notes?
1: Well, it, 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 I always kind of, I, I knew about note investing because it was, um, Russ Whitney, I think it was, he had a course some time ago that, uh, with notes and things like that, but I, I didn't really fully understand it. Right. So in between what, when, when I, uh, with buying the houses and going into notes, you know, I, I did a few other things in between, like started an ATM business and, you know, all ATM
2: time. business. Interesting. Okay.
1: ATM business. Yep. And, um, and so but eventually like i said uh, um, I, I knew about the the notes um and then eventually um i i i found some really good books on the topic and then i eventually f- uh, found a, a mentor that would actually uh mentor me within this space and it made a, a huge difference for me.
2: Yeah, getting a mentor i feel like is it can, it's probably the number one thing you can do to oh, yeah. make your your career go in the right direction and to to miss those, those steps, those missteps yep. that so many people run into um, just getting a mentor, somebody who's been there, done that, just be able to show you the direction. They're not going to take the action for you, but they can show you where you need to go. Um, oh, super, well, 100%. Super important.
1: And that, that was the thing. It's, it's, um, you know, it, it's uh, early on, you, you know, and that's what I, said. I, I knew about it, but I, I didn't know about it, if that makes sense. Right. So there's just so many different little nuances within, within this note space that it, it was just nice. And, and, you know, and I'm still friends with him today. We still keep in contact. And so it's nice anytime that if, if it's something that I don't understand, I'll just reach out to him and then we'll have a, uh, like a 30 minute call, um, to kind of discuss it. But, you know, it, it's great. And then, you know, I have, I have another mentor where she, uh, she's been in this indus- industry for, um, uh, for about 30 years.
2: Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Um, so before I do want to jump into the, the nitty gritty of notes, but you said ATM machine business and that's really intriguing to me. So what, how did you get into that? What, like, how did it run? You just, is this like the ATMs or non-branded ATMs that you just see in like,
1: Yep.
2: I don't know, yeah. just random places.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. I, um, good Lord. I think I saw something on Facebook of all places. Right. And this guy was, uh, promoting a, uh, an ATM course and, um, I was intrigued by it and uh, I actually signed up for the course and I'm like, well, it, this can't be too, too difficult. Well, you know, so I eventually wound up buying the machine, uh, the negotiating with the, um, the different, uh, uh like convenience stores, clothing stores. Uh, I had a barber shop, had a tattoo place. And, um, so, you know, you, you get all these under contract. The big thing though, the big pain in the the neck for me was, having to go to these places to fill them up. So I was filling mm. them up with a thousand dollars, you know, mm. each spot, you know, I'm using my own money. And, um, so I, you know, put a thousand dollars in each one. Um, and then it, it would, you know, it would ultimately be used, right. The, with people, um, uh, withdrawing the money. So I would have to go back, uh, at least, you know, anywhere between depending on the location, right. Um, Every week or every other week to, to fill this up, and and that's why, and that's why I'm like, man, this is just way too much work for me. And yeah. then that's when you know I'm, like, I'm just going back into real estate because I know real estate extremely well, and uh, you know I can have more bang for my buck.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's that shiny object syndrome, right? Yeah. You, you you hear of these different business ideas, yep. and you're like, oh man, that sounds fun, let's do that. And then you get into it, and you're like, okay, I got to focus in, I got to get back to real estate. This is the way to go.
1: Oh yeah, it, it's like you know it's that that dog chasing the uh, the squirrel, right? It's that that new thing, and and that's uh, some of the people that that I talk to, beginning investors. Um, they they same thing. They they have a course that they're working on, and then uh, another course comes out, and they just totally stop what they're doing on that, and they pivot. I'm like, no, yeah. just just get that one thing, you know, humming, and then once you get that one thing humming, rocking and rolling, you're making money. Then switch over to the other thing and then, you know, hire VAs to help you to really, you know, get this thing, you know, moving and grooving and then, you know, then pivot and then, you know, work on that other thing. But get that first thing going and going well.
2: Yep, absolutely. You got to have the discipline to make sure that, you know, don't don't switch courses until you've made the first course work the way that you're expecting it to. 100%. Love that. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit more detailed about note investing. I, uh, I've had a few guys on here and that's the extent that I know about note investing. I've sold properties on contract with seller financing. Um, and so I have my own notes, but I don't know about the investing aspect of it. So give me the 10,000 foot view. How does it work? Um, how do you find your notes? And uh, just give me give me some details.
1: Yep. Uh, basically when I find the notes, I do. Um, I, I have relationships with banks and hedge funds and other note investors, and there are other platforms. Um, for example, like Paperstack, uh, that paperstack.com. If you go out there, you can actually find notes for sale. Um, so, you know, typically what will happen is I'll get a tape in or a pool of, uh, you know, thirty to anywhere. Uh, this last one I got in had two hundred and seventy five assets on it. Hmm. So, you know, and do these? Do
2: these? Uh, of- is that a varied? type of asset? Is it like commercial, industrial, anything in between? Yeah, or is it just residential? Yeah,
1: commercial, residential, uh condos, land. Uh so okay. they they vary. Um, you know, and, and depending on the the source that you get them from, they're either all commercial, all land, or all real estate. I have like I have other sources that are like um a mix of, you mm. know, I, I have a contact at a very big bank that he'll send me um commercial deals um you know maybe like once in a month. Right. Hmm. And um so they, they send these in and then I look at it and then you know what typically what I like to do is I like to see what kind of um rate that's coming in. If it's the state, I typically I have uh, you know five states I typically buy in Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh more actually South Carolina, North Carolina, and Texas. Okay. So, you know, um I, I look at those what six, seven states right off the bat. So I sift and sort uh look at anything if, if it's anything $200 and below I just you know filter that out put that into another bucket because those are
2: you mean $200 are, value like the value uh, of sorry. that
1: yeah $200 uh principal interest coming oh okay in. okay, yeah, okay. The, the monthly payment monthly yeah sorry, yeah, yeah,
2: monthly. yeah okay
1: and um so like and, why and,
2: is there a $200 value no that's ridiculous
1: yeah and, and um <laughs> And those notes, they typically, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I just bought three of them with uh, each of them having a balance of about thirteen to $14,000. Oh,
2: right? wow. So okay.
1: I purchased all three of those in my self-directed IRA. And I also purchased um, like eight or 12 others in my self-directed IRA as well. So when they have a low balance um, and or a lower payment stream, I typically buy those in my, uh, my self-directed IRA. When I have uh, $200 or more, I usually typically use uh, private money. Uh, uh, to to take down those those assets, and either I can buy one or I can buy a pool, and that's I'm in the process of actually creating a a syndication right now.
2: Very cool, very cool. Yeah. So you you reach out to bankers, um, and I'm assuming these are just the big banks like Chase, uh, Morgan Stanley, those kind of. Well, I guess not Morgan Stanley, but you know the big big banks out there. You have contacts in those companies. You reach out to them. Um, you get the list of assets that are non-performing or performing as well,
1: both. Now, yeah, now they're they're not like the. I, I just have one contact at a very big bank. Oh, okay. Uh, so this, yeah, so this is a. He typically sends me the non-performing notes, uh, but usually on the uh, other ones, I usually get like a smaller regional bank that sends me their non-performing, performing loans, and then you have the hedge funds. That they typically, you know, when they buy them, like the banks will sell them to like uh, BlackRock and then BlackRock will sell them off to, you know, whoever. And then like these other hedge funds, that's typically, those are the uh, the, the the company that I'm buying them from as well. So, the, you know, they've already, they've already um, sipped and sorted and they, they've already went after that low hanging fruit. And so everything else, they're just looking to offload.
2: Yeah. And so those sense. are the
1: contacts that I have in conjunction to that one bank that, that you know, that I have a pretty good contact with.
2: Okay. So to kind of get this business started, it really comes down to relationships. Like you got to pick up the phone, start calling contacts at banks and see if they have any notes that they're willing to offload.
1: Yeah. And and that's where, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they talk uh, when they call, they'll call and ask for the REO department. You need the special assets department to speak to somebody. And, uh, and typically even before doing that, I always uh, use LinkedIn, uh, to Mm, start my sort, sort, uh, Search and just, I mean, you can just look for wholesale traders, special, uh, special asset managers and, um, and just do a, um, a connection request and, you know, develop a relationship with that person and tell them what you're looking for. Um, give them basically your 30 second elevators, uh, pe- uh, speech. And, um, yeah. And then once you get uh, established that connection, then they'll start sending you over the tapes or, Um, they, if they don't know anybody, if if they don't have anything, they know somebody. So I, uh, so I always ask, you know, if, if, if you have anything for sale that you're looking to sell this quarter or next, and then they go, no, I don't have anything, but I can't tell you how many times it's like, oh, thanks for reaching out to me or thanks for letting you know. But would you know anybody else that would have something? Mm, mm -hmm. And then, oh, "Oh, that is the best question on
2: even like when you're talking to sellers of, of assets, like when I'm calling a self-storage facility, I'm like, Hey, do you know anybody else? Because so many times they do know other people and it's crazy how that
1: works. 100%.
2: Nice. So once you, um, you get in contact with the, with the bank, you know, representative, uh, they have assets that are available. How do you like, what's your buying criteria? What do you look for when you're looking at these notes outside? I mean, you're talking about the balance, um, you know, $200 or more, uh, what else are you looking for?
1: Yeah, typically like on a uh, performance, what you have is you have two buckets on these on these assets. You have performing and non-performing. So typically on the performing notes, um, I like a, uh, me personally, I like to have at least a 15% yield on my money, right? Okay. So, and then that, you know, you, you base, um, a lot of people use this formula to, you know, you take a percentage of the uh, UPB, the unpaid principal balance to figure out what they're going to, you know, uh offer, I like to look at the uh, the yield to maturity over the, uh, the 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 length of the loan. So I base, you know, on the performance side, I base it off the yield and then I basis off base it also off the states that I buy in. I, I don't buy anything in New York, New Jersey, or Cook County, Illinois. Um and then I also filter on Anything that's greater than roughly about $25,000 or more, $25,000 up to about uh, $2 million in unpaid principal balance or legal balance. Um, and, uh, let's see, anything greater than really about two, $250 a month, uh, principal and interest payment. So once I get those, then, you know, I'll start sifting and sorting those and then running my calculations. And then see if that fits within my buying criteria. And then I also evaluate um, on those deals. I'm typically using private money uh, hmm. to take down those loans. So what I do is I like to when people invest their private money with me. I usually have it out between two to three years. So I do a three year projection to make sure when I buy this at X and I sell it at Y, there's still a profit to be made, and that you know that profit is going to cover that that investor's investment. Uh, And plus, give me a positive cash flow on the end, right? Um, But when it comes to non-performing notes, what I typically like to do, and that's where non-performing is a totally different beast in and of itself because, you know, you you have anything less than a year, I usually try to-
2: Real quick before we go into non-performing, why, so why would a um, bank want to sell something that's performing, already performing you know, performing well, has a good interest rate, all that kind of stuff. Why would they want to offload it to you?
1: Yep. Uh, typically what will happen is uh, they've already made their money because, with an Oh, right. The interest. The loan, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When
1: you make the loan, you have all those closing costs, all those initial costs. And then you also, it's all front loaded with interest. Because when you look at the amortization schedule, mm-hmm. there's a sweet spot of about 12 to 15 years where it's all like, you know, loaded with uh, interest. And then what is, what is it? It's that, that law of diminishing return where it starts tipping over, where it starts about that 12%. you are paying more principal
2: than interest. You're yeah. making
1: more principal. Yeah. So yeah, it, it and, and a lot of times that's why a lot of, uh, with the banks, you'll um, you'll get, especially with these HELOCs, they'll have a cool mm. clause in there that, hey, we want you to hold this thing. You can't refinance this between three to five years
0: mm. because they're mm-hmm. going
1: to hold on to it, right? Make a little bit of money. They've already made the money, uh, a lot of money up front, but they're going to make a little bit more and then they're going to sell it off.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah, that that totally makes sense, and it uh, it's actually kind of. So I'm sure there's many calculations that go into you figuring out what your return will be if you're looking right. at an amortization schedule past a certain point. I mean, if they're paying right. more principal and interest, then I'm sure there's uh, I don't know, I don't know what the calculation would be, but I'm sure it's there. There, you gotta really be detailed about about what your return should be.
1: Yeah, and, and that's why you know. You see a lot of people, um, other note buyers or other note people that that teach in this space. Um, you know, talk about the percentage and base. You know, uh, run your, uh, make your offer based off percentage. I, I like to base it off the yield, the yield, and maturity. So that way, I like to look at the overall course of the loan, and I want to make sure that I get. Any really anywhere between thirteen to fifteen percent on that on that performing note, right? So I look at that course uh, or, or the overall course of the loan. Yep. Um, so that it's it's vitally important to to actually do that. And now with the um with the non performing, that's when you start looking at how long has it been since they paid. You know if it's been if it's about a year or greater, and if there if there's been some attempt to make a payment within the last year. I'll usually try to get them to do a loan modification so that way I can modify that loan and get them mm. reperforming and then when you get that loan reperforming and it's reperforming for, you know, 3 to 4 months it becomes a performing loan and then you can sell that in the um, in the in the market for a much greater uh percentage than what you bought it for.
2: Interesting. Okay. And so once you do you also look at non performing loans in terms of the asset itself like so you're assuming that it's just going to continue to non perform and yep. it'll eventually go into foreclosure and you'll be able to take the asset back yep. um yeah that's another strategy that you use
1: yeah yeah because when when you when you look at the non performing because what you do is you have to break it up into these are the ones that you can that you think you can get modified mm. right um am i you know when i evaluate them i'm looking anything at about a year from like a year past in, in, in the sense of yeah, the pre- back,
2: previous payment was received.
1: Right. Then, then I have a really good chance of getting it modified, but anything, when you start getting over two years and then on more than likely, you're going to have to uh, foreclose on it. But what I like to do is any asset that I get, whether, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's, if it's a non-performing note, now, if I know I can get it modified, or if I think that I'm going to have to foreclose on it, on that one that I'm going to foreclose, I'm still going to try like hell to get to get it modified because foreclosing is the very last thing that I want to do to somebody. Yeah. I don't there are other investors that specifically buy these assets to buy it, to take it back and add it to the rental properties, uh, add it to their Airbnb. Um, that's just not my strategy. I, you know, just having gone through the foreclosure process mm-hmm. with those properties, I know how stressful it is. Um so I try anything and everything to help that borrower stay in that property. As, as long as they're communicating with me, I will bend over backwards to help them.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean, you know, foreclosure is definitely not an, a pleasant experience to anyone involved. So it's uh, it's the last resort, um, but uh, you know, it is something that can protect your own investment if if you know the the they continue to non perform right. and there's no attempt from their end to try to make the. Uh, the note hole again um, so yeah that makes a lot of sense when it comes to managing the note how what is the strategies you guys use how do you do it uh, what's the communication like with the the note holder or the note what do you call that the mortgagee I guess
1: the, the, uh, the mortgage or
2: mortgage or okay yeah, the
1: mortgagee is the is the lender okay and the mortgage or okay. is the person giving the uh, the mortgage to the, the to the bank okay um, so yeah uh, essentially what what we do is um, we have third, uh, third party, party servicing companies like, hmm. you know, Madison, FCI, Kobe Financial. Um, these are just a few. There's a lot of them out there. Um, but what they do is they uh, when you ever when you buy a loan from a previous note holder. So they uh, so say you had a note and, and you had it uh, serviced with um, Kobe Financial where you're going to send a, go buy, a goodbye letter to your borrower and Kobe Financial is going to send a hello letter. Mm -hmm. Letting them know that they're the new servicing company. So if you had it like at Madison, you know, I'm switching it over to Kobe. There's a hello, goodbye letter. Um, So the servicing company handles all the correspondence between uh, between the borrower and, you know, making the payments. They send out all the uh, required documents at the end of the year. Uh, Whenever there is a if there is a lapse in payment, they uh, start the outreach to get them like, hey, what's going on? Um, but typically what I like to do is not only in conjunction with the servicing company, I also send out a letter when I actually buy it. And it's actually there at the servicing company, you know, just to introduce myself. And, you know, I, I have a picture. I have information about my company. I'm actually in the process of doing a, um, a DVD just so that way they can just or even like a link that they can just go to uh, YouTube and just watch it. So that they know that hey, I'm a real guy. That you know, this isn't something that some type of scam. Just to let them know what what's going on. Um, uh, so that way, it, it's it's like all the communication really typically goes back between the servicing company. And then, as a as a side note, I do buy uh, notes that are, are that are in bankruptcy of uh, Chapter thirteen and Chapter seven. Hmm. Um, so Chapter thirteen is it's a it's really you can kind of look at it as a a, a performing note, right? But the the caveat with that one is is if they're still in that negotiation phase, you have to go through the um, the trustee, you have to or their their attorney to have all communications, mm. you know. But okay. until you get the okay to talk to the borrower, and I I mean I just I I bought what seven properties that are in bankruptcy, and I initially started the conversation with the bank or with the uh, the attorney, and then the attorney just said it's you know it's good for you just to go ahead and you know talk to the borrower. Because looking at their financial statements and then looking at the current payment that I had, it just looked to me like there was no way that they were going to be able to to afford that. So I uh, immediately tried to reach out to them and and start a loan modification. So like I said, I'm really trying to set people up for success with this. The foreclosure is the very last thing.
2: Yep, absolutely. Um do you have a servicing company you know I with my own solid finance notes I have had good companies and very bad ones and bad servicing companies are a nightmare to deal with uh do you have a specific company that you could recommend to the listeners
1: Yeah I, I would recommend uh Kobe Financial Yeah if you go to com now with Kobe he's only licensed in a few, you know and if you go over to his website you see at uh, like licensing or uh I think it's about us and then licensed And then you'll see the ones in greens where where he's uh, licensed. And then the one in yellow is where he's getting licensed. So whenever I buy the notes within those states, I usually move it over to uh, Kobe. Eric Kobe is the owner of that, of Kobe Finn. Really good guy. Really great company.
2: Very cool. And how do you spell Kobe? Is that K-O-B-E?
1: C-O-V-E-Y.
2: Oh, KobeFinn.com. Got you. Okay. Cool. That's a, that's a good reference. I've, uh, yeah, I've dealt with bad servicing companies yeah. and they're they're just a nightmare because you got to be like, I was on hold for like three hours. <laughs> I don't know. Very yeah. long time, one time. And it's just annoyed me. And
1: well, so you get a good I'll company. Tell you, I'll tell you one thing that, um, I've heard, you know, that's the thing. You, you hear bad things about, you know, I'll just say, it, um, I heard bad things about, um, Madison and then also FCI, but my experience with, because I have loans boarded with both these companies and I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling you, I've never had a bad experience with them. They, every time I've called, I've always got a representative on the phone. They were, they have always been very helpful, uh, you know, with uh with that loan that I have and giving me the entire backstory and the conversations that they've had with the with the borrower and, and just all this stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's like like a restaurant, right? You're going to have a, a good experience or a bad experience, this, depending on the waiter or the waitress that you have.
2: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You know? All right. Cool. Well, hey, man, I uh, took a peek at the clock. It looks like we have run down our time. So it's time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? I am. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and then one for real estate or business specific.
1: Well, I've got I'm telling you, the the one that really came to my mind, I've got this one up, and it's uh Invest in Debt by Jim Jimmy Napier. Okay. And All right. um, really good book. This is the one that kind of started it for me, right? Um, along with the Russ Whitney. Um, but another really good book that uh that came out, I think it was like 2013 or something, is uh or 2020. It's Invest Like a Bank, and that's by uh Bo Glass. Okay. It, and this one, I'm telling you, this is a really good book for your listeners. If they're interested in, um, in doing anything, uh, definitely check out those two books. It, it'll be enough to get you started. Um, but ultimately, you know, you, you I, I think ultimately you will have to uh, reach out to somebody that that is doing this in, uh, on a regular basis that can kind of help guide you through some of the pitfalls. But, you know, those are really good books. And then I, um, I guess with, um, business, I think the, uh, uh, the four hour work week, I think that's a typical one that a lot of, a lot of people, uh, recommend. And, I, I, and I'm telling you, it, it's been crucial for me because early on, even with my investment, uh, in, uh, rehabbing, uh, properties and things like that, um, having a VA makes a huge difference. It's something that you can offload the things that you don't like to do and you concentrate on the things that you do want to do. And I have a VA right now, so she does uh, pretty much like 85% of the things that I don't want to do. And the 15% or, you know, like 80, 85, 10, 15%, um, it's focusing on trying to raise private money and creating my syndication. So that way I could take down bigger, bigger pools of asset. Nice. Yeah. But,
2: yeah.
1: oh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say?
2: I was just going to say, yeah, having a VA, a good VA on your team is, it's just, so worth it. Um if you guys okay. don't have one, reach out, get one, go to Upwork, find find a good VA. Uh they can definitely expand your ability to uh to work in your business.
1: Uh I'll tell you a really good place that I found my VA VA uh at, was at Fiverr.com.
2: Yeah, Fiverr is another good one. Yeah. Fiverr I found they uh they're more specific to a specific job. Um Upwork it seems a little bit more general, but they they both work uh work really yeah. great.
1: And then and, and then one real quick one um A non-technical book that was really helped me when I was going through everything that I went through. It's uh, Surrender by Father Larry Richard and um, a really good read. And it really puts things in perspective on what's important and what's not important.
2: Very cool. I love it. All right. Next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Larry who, um, you know, before he started investing, notes way back when he got that course. Uh, I think you said 1991 or 1996. Go back to that, Larry. Give him, look him in the eye, and give him one piece of advice moving forward.
1: Yeah, I would just say, just do it. You know, just get out there and um, and just take action. And, and the other thing that I would take that I would say is uh, actually find a mentor hmm. because that will dramatically, dramatically. Increase your odds of being successful because it literally took me 10 years before I found, before I made that first deal. Uh, But if I had a mentor, I mean, I I know, I mean, I more than likely would have done something within like the first three to six months easily.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy, especially in real estate, because there's so much to know. Um, It's very easy to just, as you said, get stuck in analysis paralysis, consume education, and just get stuck in the cycle of. Thinking you're making progress, but not actually, you know, picking up the phone and giving sellers a call or or yeah. looking at properties or anything like that. So, um, reaching out for a mentor is so crucial. Getting that action, just going out there, getting shit done, getting your first deal yeah. done. Uh, great advice. All right. Next question is about your business. The first three positions we hire form the foundation of our company. So, what were the first three positions you hired for, and would you do it differently if you did it again today?
1: Uh, yeah, when, uh, back when I was, um, flipping houses or, you know, rehabbing houses, I, I hired an acquisitions manager, a def- deposition manager. And then I was the, uh, back then I was the, um, the guy that raised cap So because that was a thing that, yeah, I could have, uh, hired somebody to do that, but that's what, you know, I wanted to do. I was really good with talking to people. It is my company. It is my face, right? So I want to represent it correctly. Um, and now even with this note business, it's, um, the, uh, really the, I guess I could hire a acquisitions manager, um, or in and or, and, and, and also a desk deposition, disposition manager. Uh, but really, you know, it, this note space is so small, so to speak, with just the people that you know. Um, I don't really think I need it right now. Mm. Um, so, but it, it, if if your listeners are within you know like rehabbing properties um and they want to take it to the next level I would 100% you know hire those two uh positions right out of the gate and then also hire a VA to help you with your marketing and follow up 100%.
2: Nice. I love it. All right, let's talk about locations. The US it's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there. Give me the single metro, the single city you are most excited about investing in today.
1: Well, I would uh I would say what well, really the, the state of Texas just because mm. it is a uh, fast foreclosure you know oh. uh, on it so you know when when you take a property back i mean you can literally you know i, I think uh 1 to 3 months at, at the most right mm. so it, it's pretty quick versus you know some of the other states ohio you know i'm in uh, cincinnati ohio and uh it, it could take anywhere from, from 12 to 14 months in order to foreclose
2: jeez so yeah, and that's why
1: time. you know yeah and I, I you know I, I look at the um the judicial states versus the non-judicial states to to make sure that you know when I do buy these properties if there's a chance of me having to foreclose, then I know what my time frame, my holding costs are potentially going to be.
2: Yep. Yep. Makes sense. All right. Next question is about finding the deal. Uh, so, what is your favorite way to generate leads and to find your next deal?
1: Yep. My favorite way is LinkedIn. Uh, doing a connection uh, request with asset managers and wholesale whole loan traders, um, and also other note investors because other note investors, um, a lot of times they don't list their properties on that uh, that low hanging fruit website like uh, Paperstack, um, so they have other notes that they're just sitting there. I mean, I just had one where I just uh, those three that I bought in my self directed IRA. He didn't have them listed on on anything. Um, it was just a conversation that. Uh, that I came across him on LinkedIn, and we struck up a conversation. And you know, when I bought, I purchased a couple of notes. I'm in the process of looking at um, six other notes he has for sale. But Very LinkedIn cool. is vitally important.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm not huge on social media, even though I have this podcast. I, I don't really get out on social media a lot, but um, LinkedIn is definitely the one. It's my favorite. Um, I feel like it's especially for business. It's just. It's, you know, you make great connections. Uh, I feel like the content there is really useful. So I really like LinkedIn as well. Yep. All right. Next question is about mentors. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today?
1: Yeah, I would say I actually have, um, uh, I actually have two. One would be Sabrina Allen and the other one is uh, Scott Corson.
2: All right. They, uh, they're note investors, I'm assuming.
1: They, they are.
2: Nice. Well, shout out to Sabrina and Scott. Thank you for helping Larry get to where he is today. It leads us to the second to last question. Um, not all deals work out, uh, and those deals that do fail are the ones we learn the biggest lessons from. So, what was the biggest lesson you've learned uh, so far in a real estate deal today to today?
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I would go back to the foreclosure, you mm-hmm. know, when um, it, it, it's easy to, to make the money. On these deals, right? Um, but then, when you have things go sideways, how do you handle that? And then that also shows you the kind of, at least, you know, for me, the, the kind of man I was, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and during that time, I did not like that person at all. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things where it's bittersweet going through it because it made me a much better uh, person and, in, uh, and, and a and a and a and a better investor. So you know I, i'm it, it's if i wouldn't if i had to do it over again i wouldn't want to go through it but having gone through it i can definitely it made me a much better person
2: yeah you never wish hard times on people but then again uh, you're glad when they happen because afterwards right. you realize what you learned um so what was the big lesson that you learned in in the 2008 issue um is it to make sure that you have a bigger cash flow margin um what is the the big lesson that you think you take yeah. from that
1: yeah. For me back then was, you know, I was trying, um, I had a private lender at the time and, um, and so I would refinance these properties and cash him out. So essentially he was a hard money lender. Mm. And, um, and so now when I got back eventually got back into doing, I rehabbed a couple of houses, I totally changed that model. And, you know, we, you know, it was like, I had very specific paperwork that said that, you know, you won't get your money back until I you know the exit plan is to sell this thing. And then that's when you'll be cashed out. Mm, right so instead of trying to refinance it and then cash him out or her out or them out right now i i have a very specific model where you know not not with these notes but when i was doing the rehab that when i actually sold the property you would be cashed out now with the notes it's um if i don't have a performing loan then i don't have i don't have to make payments to them so that way Mm. i'm not strapped you know for cash because you do you know you, you may have a period where you're you're uh, you're more liquid than than, all, than you're not, right? So you know, I, I've just totally changed up the way that I invest, where I, I I I make it beneficial to both parties.
2: Yep, yep, yeah. I feel like that is a super good lesson that I am have been actually keeping pretty close to, and I'm I'm proud of that. Is uh, I make sure that I have enough cash reserves, and yep. you know, when I first started out, I didn't do this. Um, yep. In fact, I just backed out of a deal yesterday because if I had gone and, and taken that deal down, I, I just would have been too thin. I wouldn't have had yep. enough money in my bank account to feel comfortable. It was a good deal. It would I would have been happy with that deal. Um, but it's just, you know it was a little bit too thin. And so I feel like that's a really good lesson to have is to have cash reserves more than you think you need because shit can hit the fan. You don't want to have to go into foreclosure. You don't want to have to deal with that. So
1: 100%. Yeah. I yep. 100% agree with that.
2: All right. Well, that leads us to the last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you. What is the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, they can just go to my website. It's ljhinvestments.com. Or they can just, um, if, if they want, uh, I guess, any more information about the uh, the notes, they can just schedule a call with me, talkwithlarryhoffman.com. And then that'll take them to a calendar leave link. And they, they can just book a, a 30-minute call with me.
2: Cool. I will put those links in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Larry, just go ahead and click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description in there. You can find those links. All right, Larry, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for wrapping on the show.
1: Oh, thanks, Gabe. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the realestateinvestingclub.com. I said this on the last podcast as well. Um, the last course I made about finding deals seemed to be appreciated by people who took it. And so I'm looking for new topics to create courses on because... Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the process. I like interacting with you guys who took them. Um, so if you guys have anything you want to learn about, uh, learn deeper about, just reach out to me. And let me know. love to make that course for you. Um, so that wraps it up again. Thank you guys for, help, for being, for coming and staying with us on this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.
0: All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make.